welcome back to the Pofo Exchange. This is Ryan. I'm Aaron. I'm Sue. This is Don. And Don worked behind the scenes on Star Trek. I wish I worked behind the scenes on Star Trek. Hence, for the next hour and some odd minutes, I am living vicariously through Don. Don, how are you? Oh, I'm doing very well. Now, before I geek out on you, is there any information you would like to voluntarily submit so I don't have to, like, <laughs> drag it out of you kicking and screaming? Like, like, what did you do on the show? Tell us about your history with Star Trek and where you come from and all that good stuff. I spent a lot of time on next last two seasons on Next Generation as what we call a lighting technician, and I was also the uh, computer uh, or dimmer operator for the show, and then did the, uh, let's see, the... I worked on the third through, I believe it was the sixth season of Deep Space Nine, and then I even, back when I first got into the motion picture industry, I worked on the original series for about uh, two months. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So tell us about, behind, now, I'm a geek, I've seen every episode, I love all the shows, I wasn't a fan of Voyager, really, but I, I love Deep Space Nine, I love The Next Generation. What was it like working behind the scenes? Just, you know, I'm not sure, like, how much contact you have with the actors, but just, you know, what's life like behind the scenes on a show like that? I used to watch the original one a lot, and so when I ended up, and I was watching Next Generation, and then when I ended up getting on it, it was fun to get on it, and it was working with people that I've known. I'm in what they call the set lighting department, and the boss for the set lighting department is the gaffer, and he's in charge of lighting the sets, and then the person above him would be the director of photographer. So we, this whole crew of, of the camera department, the electric department, and the group department, we've worked together. Uh, I just retired about nine months ago, but the same crew has worked together for about 15 years. Yeah, on all the different shows and all the different, different shows. But it's uh, on Deep Space, On well, on Next Generation, it, it was an enjoyable show. The actors were all uh, very nice and got along well, and the whole crew, and it and almost any show it gels together that's any good becomes a family. It usually takes eight days to film it, and you're looking at somewhere between uh, 11 and 14-hour days that you're there working. And so you get to know, and so uh, you, you really become friends with the actors and stuff. But, uh, and so you know quite a bit about each other and stuff and get along. No, I take it you had, you felt there was better camaraderie on um, Next Gen than there was on Deep Space. Was that just the actors, or was that just you know the environment? or? Um. Yeah, I think there was better coverage between the actors on Deep Space. They all got along fine on Deep Space, but I think the diff- acting styles for a couple of the different actors were a little bit different from the others, and they got along well, but there was not the closeness that the actors had with uh, Next Generation. Yeah, I was actually reading tonight that I think it was Jonathan Frakes, Patrick Stewart, and Michael Dorn, uh, Worf Picard, and Riker formed a band like on Next Generation, and they were just buddies off the set, which I thought was really cool. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah, I can definitely see that. Did you have any uh, personal experience, like any particular fun stories you wanted to share before we got started? Just you know, with any of the you know actors that people would recognize, like anything that may have happened that you thought was a cool story? Or well, when I first started Next Generation, everybody said I needed to go to one of the conventions and. Uh, one of the biggest ones in Southern California is in uh, Pasadena in May every year. And so they gave me comp tickets to it. And I was amazed when I found that people were paying $35 and $50 a ticket to go to this thing. But they would have three or four of the actors would come to each of these things from the different shows. And I remember one I, the one I went to, uh, Michael Dorn. Uh, he was a fun guy. And I enjoyed working with him. And But 
he was up there answering questions, and this one uh, woman got up to the microphone and says, we all got to know, do you wear briefs or boxers? <laughs> <laughs> I'm picturing spiky things, yeah. but that's just... Yeah. You could expect any type of question or any type of answer uh, from them at all. Uh, uh, some of the actors didn't like going to them, but... Uh, it was like Jonathan Frakes would say, hey, they're paying me a lot of money. I go there. I have all my needs taken care. I meet my wife. We make a vacation. Why do I want to ignore it? His favorite statement is when somebody would ask him, are they Trekkies or Trekkers? And he would just say, thank God for the Trekkies and Trekkers. <laughs> hey, it's absolutely true. Yep. It, well, I was saying uh, in an earlier podcast we were recording tonight, when you think of Trekkers, there's the people who love the show for, you know, what it represents about the future and, you know, how humanity will survive and all this stuff. And there's the people who love it for the storyline. Then there's the people who love it because they're obsessed with what deck the left is on. <laughs> but if you move the plasma relay to the left, you're violating, you know, the continuity and you must die. And it, it's, Some people take it incredibly seriously in so many ways. But, yeah, I mean, it's for whatever people get out of it you know the when, when you see like a if you're a star trek fan you see a star trek actor in the street you're like oh so it's and, and especially you guys behind the scenes who put the whole show together you know deserve so much credit and you're probably overlooked so much so we will rely on your expertise tonight because we're going to be watching uh the what episode do we have here we have trials and tribulations it was actually it looks like the third episode produced on uh, the fifth season of Deep Space Nine. I'm looking at the numbers here because they're obviously a little oh, yeah. bit out of order. And I have to imagine, you know, grossly over budget. This episode must have cost absolutely so much. It's probably one of the best Star Trek but episodes so of all it. time. And Don, did you work on this particular episode, Trials and Tribulations? Yes. Yeah, the the average, at that time, the average budget for uh, Next Generation was... Uh, 1.2 to about uh, 1.5 million dollars, and I believe this was up there. Uh, they, they, there was pieces when you see the bridge in this episode. There were pieces of the bridge that were from the original. They found them in the warehouse. Studios never throw anything away; they just store it. So I would say about a third of the bridge was the original work that they had fixed up, and then the rest of it was rebuilt, and then all the corridors and the uh, and the rooms, uh, extra rooms that you'll see were rebuilt. Oh wow! You know, it's true they um actually did, I guess, get rid of a lot of the stuff after all the Star Trek series is wrapped. They did have this um that's a wrap sale and sell off a lot of stuff, but yeah, I, this is probably one of the coolest. Just episode, just the way they bridge the two generations. I was oh, yeah. just a really great idea. And I remember watching this episode for the first time, and half of me was like, "Oh my god, that was wonderful!" And half of me was like, "I wonder how much over budget they went." Because <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. So uh, we're gonna start the uh, DVD in a moment. And Don, you're the guest of honor tonight. So just jump out there. Anything you want to throw in about behind the scenes or anything that you would like us to know? Just talk over everybody. Okay. Clearance next hour. And Sue, I feel like I'm overlooking you. How are you tonight? I'm good. I'm all I right. I Sue at Duxfoot. Sue, by the way, sent me copies. She had um, a couple of scripts from, I'm not sure if Don helped you out with that, but she had some scripts from um, various Star Trek episodes that she sent me her copies up to check out, and I was geeking out on them. I'm going to get them back to Sue. I was geeking out on them earlier today in preparation for this podcast. I'm having a Star Trek geek marathon all by my lungs. <laughs> so we are going to... Um, X off trials and tribulations, and we're going to go to the uh, DVD menu here, which, unlike some of the other shows, does not spoil the episode for us. 
and we're going to go one, two, three, click, and on click, just hit play episode, and off we'll go. All right. All right. Everyone ready? Ready. Here Let's we go. do it. Okay. One, two, three, click. And she's off. Awesome. This, I think, is when they came up with the idea for the episode. I just love the idea of uh, let's have the two guys from Temporal Investigations because throughout whatever Star Trek show you're watching, <laughs> it's like calling in the feds. Yeah. It's, if anyone can keep this stuff straight in their minds. You'll notice that they that they have a, a kind of a style, and it was taken from uh, an old-time cop show. <laughs> uh, oh, the bad jokes. That was an awful... No, it's an awful joke, but Kira laughs, and that's <laughs> just like... Yeah, they remind me a lot of uh, something out of Dragnet or something. That That is what it's from. They, the director, Jonathan West, wanted them to talk like Jack Webb's Dragnet did for this thing. They have no sense of humor at all. That is correct. If I remember correctly, their names, Luxley and Dulmer, are uh, anagrams of Mulder and Scully. From the X-Files. I just remember it's like 103 years and 12 months ago. A Friday. <laughs> it's just like, what? And the, t- and the three words that absolutely bring them to their knees, James T. E. Kirk. <laughs> Him. Now, the, if you look behind uh, the captain there, there's uh, the Starfield, and that is uh, Black Dubatine with... Uh, Little bits of uh, mylar, silver mylar, Interesting. individually glued on it, and it's about thirty feet long, and it goes around in a circle. Because especially when you go back out into ops, they have the like the I call them the like the moon roofs in ops. They have the the windows on the ceiling, and you can still see the star field. Still, yeah, at the window. The one set, the promenade set on this show must be so. It must have been so expansive because doesn't it take up the entire soundstage, just like that third of the promenade? It took up, uh, yes, it took up the entire soundstage uh, and with the second floor that you can see, which we would um, take all of our equipment up there. And uh, one time they we took up um, a big camera crane up there, put the camera on there, and the safety guys came and looked at it and said, what the heck are you guys doing? <laughs> We're only about 500 pounds overweight on this thing. Nice. Well, so you look at the sets and you're like, oh my god, this is this big, powerful starship, and it's probably like plywood, <laughs> staples. It's all Luan and 1x2s. Exactly. Yeah. I love this guy. I love that they got the same actor from the original. Yeah. Doesn't he seem like he wants to sell you a used car? Yes. Yeah. He's, his name is Bernie, and he's like, I got a great... I love that he he insults Worf and says, uh, sorry. I have to go. My fiance's watching, my fiance's watching all the Star Trek episodes for the first time. She's on season four of Next Gen, and her favorite character is Worf. I'm like, good, because you're going to see him for like 11 seasons. Oh, we just missed the lilac joke. Oh, so good. Well, I love how he says it, too, with the accent. Lilac. Yeah. Lilac. <laughs> now, I don't know if you guys have ever noticed, but you've always got a, a kind of a blue hue to uh, to the set whenever they're cloaked. Yeah. 
I was about to say you probably lit the scene. Yeah, it's it's a a, a gel called uh, Steel Blue that's there on this. For this set alone, for the ship, I think we had about 300 channels of uh, light cues for it. I just have to ask, they must have had, because they built the Defiant in Season 4, they must have had just so much soundstage space available, or you must have used every square inch that you had, because you have the station, you have the Defiant, you have you know, this massive promenade, you have ops, you know, all these other side corridors, then you must have to have space available to build sets for you know particular episodes. It just This show is just so huge in scope um, compared to the other two. We had three uh, three sound stages. One of them was, was one of the biggest on Paramount lot. I think it was uh, like 250 feet by 100 feet. And the air press. The, uh, the others were uh, were smaller, but the promenade was just on one, took one stage and then there's another stage that had the, the op center um, uh some of the different rooms and stuff. They packed it in, especially on the big stage when they put swing sets on. Uh, you would almost need signs to be able to get over where you are. There was hardly any space to get through anything. When I was there for the episode that I saw, they had crashed the Defiant on a, on a planet. I don't remember which episode it was, but I, I do remember I got to be there and see see them filming part of that. Yeah, and that was, well, the the fine stayed on the one on our swing, what we call the swing stage, but the crash site, I think, if I remember right, it was another, a fourth stage that they rented just for that, and it was a big uh, kind of a foresty area, wasn't it? Yeah. I'm trying to re- was was it the Defiant or was it the Runabout? I don't remember an episode where the Defiant crashed. Well, it might have been a Runabout. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Well, the Runabouts crashed every week. I mean, those things yeah. they just shouldn't have been able to insure them. Yeah, how many how many Runabouts have they had? They've had to have at least had twenty or thirty. Now they must. Now I'm actually just thinking here. They must have ripped down because I know in like the later years you had you know the Klingon Bridge and you had all these new sets prop up near the end of the show they must have had to rip down any of the older sets that they just didn't use anymore like the Defiant Engine Room you don't really see near the end of the show and well, well the Defiant the Defiant Engine Room was a, a swing set that was it was a set so on this one big stage that I told you about that uh, was we only used normally about a third of the stage for permanent sets and then they would build uh small and huge sets on there. I mean, there was uh, the cave, the big cave scene, any of the underground stuff was also on there, on that set yeah. there. And it was on that stage that if uh, if there was any big villages that they were going to build, they would build them on that stage. And then pull them down. And then, and then pull them down afterwards, yeah. yeah. And then any of the sets that... James, I'm sorry, James T. Kirk. James T. Kirk. Lean back in the, chair. <laughs> the one and only. Yeah. Uh... I'm actually try as a Star Trek fan. I'm trying to piece together what times they're actually talking about. The wreck the timeline seems more like a Janeway thing than. A- oh, and th- these guys would have hated Janeway. Yeah, I'm gonna go back in time because Seven of Nine died, and I must have been in love with her. Because really, why else would I? Do? Well, they had episodes where where they they went back in time like twenty or thirty times, like and just just messed around with everything. Ugh. 
I love in this now in this episode plot has to take on a second plate. It's supposed to be a fun episode, so no one cares if it doesn't make that much sense. But I love all the scenes with Kira where she's looking at the orb like, hmm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I figured the hike. Mm, oh, yeah, we can get back now. Tell me when you're just oh whatever. I know how to work it. Exactly. If I put my hand into the orb of prophecy somehow. And the plot line, you know, in the Cardassians decide to give it back to the Bajorans because they're nice. Yeah, they're just nice guys. Huh? Sure they are. Now, now this guy, the ship shaper, Odo, he was um, in the movie... Um... Star Trek Six. yep. No, no, not in Star Trek. No, no, in... Can you tell you're on with the kids tonight? We're like, Renee, how much Star Trek 6, Colonel West? In the movie Mash, he was the dentist. From what movie? Mash. Oh, you're oh, right. Oh, interesting. He was in, um, was that the pilot? Was that, so the movie. The movie. Movie, okay. The movie. The movie. The movie. Not the TV show, the movie. What character did he play? Because I remember that I now. believe he was the dentist. Because hmm. I talked to him about it a little bit. Uh, he was a big method actor. He's terrific with Armin Shimmerman on this show. And it's Absolutely. one of those things where they even comment on one of the DVDs that they only, if you look at the Quark Odo episodes, there weren't a whole lot of them, but they're just so much fun to watch. You would think they have scenes together five times every episode, just because they, it's like Q. He's never really on the show, but when he is, he makes such a big splash. In the earlier episodes, especially, they had to tend to have Odo Quark scenes almost every episode, if just for a few moments. I love how I call Meanie, too. He's like the everyday guy. <laughs> oh, this is great. Every Star Trek fan is, like, fanboying right now watching this. With Putting the- on the old uniforms and getting the old, the old toys. <laughs> I love the shot of the communicator right there. Yep. Some of the communicators, I think they got, had several of them were original. <laughs> from the- were they really? Yeah. But it's funny, you can go to the, I think you could probably buy them online or whatever, but uh, the, the, the communicators and stuff that they sell at the Paramount store look better than the ones we use. <laughs> well, there was an, I'm a big fan of the uh, fan films, of the Star Trek fan films. Did you do any work on Enterprise? No. When the, there, there's, um, it, they call it, it's, it, it was, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. It's, uh, it's called Star Trek New Voyages. It, it's, it, it was formerly called, it's now called Star Trek, uh, Phase Two. It's a fan, fan film project where they rebuilt the original sets and they, from the blueprints and they reenact and they make classic Trek episodes and they have on a lot of the old time actors like Walter Koenig and George Takei and so forth. Yeah. And there was an episode where they went, they rebuilt the original Enterprise set for an episode of Enterprise and they didn't have the thing for the helm that Sulu always looked into, like the scope thing. So they actually called the fan film, like, can we borrow yours? <laughs> can we borrow yours? Wow. <laughs> and they actually loaned to the, they loaned it to them, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I'd, I'd, uh, I was watching some news show and they were talking about that. I'd never, never really seen it though. Uh, I knew people that worked on Enterprise and on Voyager and stuff, but, uh, I never really spent time on it. The one thing I noticed is they changed the, uh, turbo of door noise to make it match the speed of the doors and it just sounded f- funky. Yeah. I was like, I had forgotten how many people were there. Yeah. Yeah. I think they... That's a little bit of artistic license, isn't it? I don't think there were ever that many people on the old Enterprise. Yeah. Make it look like a submarine, like, grab them in. 
a hundred something people, maybe or three hundred something people. Not a whole lot compared to especially the the next generation enterprise had over a thousand. Oh yeah, these guys. Uh, yeah, I think they had like four thirty or something like that. These guys crack me up. Like Scotty in Star Trek Four. Hello, computer. Oh, here, yeah, yeah. Was that your favorite of the movies? Hell no, Star Trek Six: Undiscovered Country for the Win. Six uh-huh. is very. Good. I think I liked Four just because it was so much. It's like this episode. It's not the best plot wise, but it was just so much fun to watch the actors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Four's my favorite. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Not a word of this. <laughs> <laughs> we can't. We can't let them know that we were shown up by a woman. Or well, they always do that. They show Scotty on the new Enterprise on um, TNG, and he like almost like blows the warp core up because he's <laughs> yanking the diamond theme crystals. <laughs> it's like O'Brien. How do we get the elevator to work? Dax is like finding an old vintage car. She's like, I used to own one of these, and she like rubs it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember O'Brien's such a putz he like unplugs the Enterprise later. <laughs> well, you know, can you blame him? It's, if you it's... actually look down there at the bottom of the space station, you can actually see an old style uh, shuttlecraft. Nice. And you can see Cyrano Jones's, I believe, ship. Uh, this is just so cool. I think this is great. cameraman on this show really really would he he enjoyed the show we all enjoyed doing this show but it was hard for him because we like much softer nowadays and and when this was originally filmed we did direct light it was all harsh and stuff you'll see shadows and where nowadays you'll you will not see shadows for the most part and the lights all that much softer and so we had to completely redo our lighting and stuff to match this no when you say are you talking about when this was filmed in the 90s to now? Well, you no, I'm about? talking about the times when they did film the original one in the late 60s. Right, yes. Yeah. Because you could just see the uh, shadow of Nichelle Nichols. And... This, by the way, was the director's girlfriend. <laughs> and uh, I think because of that, he didn't get another directing job. <laughs> you can see her now on the way home. You want me to wear what? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but uh, sounds yeah, so like... I mean, what what we did when we started lighting this, when we were lighting the stuff that had to match the the '60s stuff, then we used direct light, but we shot it through uh, like shower curtains and soft uh, gels to soften the light a little bit. Yeah, nice. Well, it always like from an outsider to hear you guys talk about it or to, to like to hear you talk about it or to watch it on the DVDs, you picture, ooh, it's Star Trek. They have all of these, you know, high-tech, they, they, they have the best technology to put these new shows together. And it's like, yeah, we grabbed a shower crew and knocked it over the yeah. line. And I'm like, well, it's just... <laughs> well, I mean, even if you go look at whenever you see the transporter sequences, um, that is a combination of digital effects. The digital people put all the little fuzzies in there that go in and out. But the lights that are going up and down on there are your uh, is is uh, me on the computer bringing the light up on a time fade up and fade down, and then when they shoot it, they shoot it with the actors there and with the actors not there, 
and then they do what they call a dissolve, which is probably one of the oldest editing tricks around. So you got stuff that uh, that is both, um, you know, new and old that make it into one thing. I'm just actually, now that you're doing this, I'm completely avoiding the actors. I'm watching the lighting on the back on that metal piece of <laughs> The crazy rainbow stuff. Yeah. I love Bashir here. He's like, I'll just stand here and study him. Why don't you go fix the shit? <laughs> Why don't I take this part out? Uh, yeah. uh, no, maybe not. Well, I love the description. When the show's on the air, this is the Enterprise, the best ship in the fleet, and O'Brien's like, it's duct taped <laughs> together. Well, you know, Scotty was the engineer, and he was, yeah. you know, if anything. Scotty was, Scotty was a hack. The thing was held together with shoes. Chewing gum. I hope you feel better. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I love all the the accountability on this this the 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 Federation flagship. <laughs> Don't tell anyone I'm fixing the ship near the antimatter and I'm Rand- <laughs> random guy you've never seen before asks you not to mention that you were messing with a ship and caused a power outage. Okay, no problem. <laughs> well, he is wearing a red shirt. All uh, right, this is probably one of the best scenes in all of Star Trek right here. <laughs> a triple. That's it. <laughs> has he been? Has he been found to be, you know, a traitor by the Klingon High Council? Nope. It's just a triple. In fact, it's a triple. It's a cute triple. Yes. I love like the, the scene with Odo. It's like Odo, you know, like creature spokesperson. Odo gets a kitten. <laughs> Well, it's out of character for him, too, to be so cuddly with something. Well, it's out of character, I think, for a lot of them in this episode, but... Well, Odo kind of softens over the... Well, I, I haven't watched over it. The, yeah, he did, over the over the length of the, episode, of, the season, of the of the show. In the first season, he's always screaming, like, I don't have to follow the rules! And by the end of the show, he's, like, hugging Kira all the time. Yeah. Well, this is the I think believe believe this is during his character arc when he was. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, this a mortal enemy of the Klingon. <laughs> I love the dialogue here. We sent the sixth fleet after them. <laughs> hundreds of warriors. Oh. <laughs> Batleths. I'm just picturing. Now I'm picturing them with cans of rage, shooting it everywhere. <laughs> I, l- I love the concept of a triple homeworld, just a-, a world where the triples are <laughs> yeah. everywhere. You can see it from space, and it's like purring at you <laughs> as you drop its orb. Shields up! It's getting bigger and bigger. For this episode, I believe they made about 300 tribbles. Did they really? Mm. Yeah. And then they, at the, when we were done with them, they put tags on them, what they were made out of, and how to take care of them, and then sold them in the studio store. Nice. Oh, that's great. I love uh, Avery Burke's right here, Cisco. Where he snaps his finger. Uh, he is an extremely <laughs> intelligent man. <laughs> he seems it. He seems like... Oh. And he lived in... Uh, or he lived in New Jersey, Princeton, New Jersey, and he would fly home almost every weekend. I think my favorite episode of him is... Um, Oh God! What's it called? Far Beyond the Stars, where he is yes. having the vision of being the black 
uh, oh god, what was it? It wasn't a uh, science fiction it was writer. A science fiction writer. Yeah, he's like a black Isaac Asimov. Yeah, you were the dreamer and the dream. I heard they wanted to end this show with, uh, Benny Russell closing his book, but that would have made all of Star Trek <laughs> make believe, and that was more. Uh, but that was a great character, though. Ben, the Benny Russell, that was uh, amazing. Uh, the Dax, her, her line that when she's in the other world, she's like, ah, there's a worm in her belly. Oh, that's <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> she Terry Farrell's so good. Oh, that's such a great episode. Oh, but producers didn't like her. Mm. Because I remember in the last episode there was issues, and I don't remember if it was her when they did the uh, or in one of the last episodes they did a montage scene of sound clips, and they didn't have any of her like her own voice because either she wouldn't allow it or the producers wouldn't get permission so they there was a scene with Worf where you would think he'd be thinking of her but her voice wasn't present huh. yeah because uh, her contract wasn't renewed and uh, let's see she left in the end of 6th end of the 4th or 6th it was end of 6th yeah. so um, uh, they probably she probably didn't want to be involved with it I wonder if she softened years later or if it was because they gave her money, but she did come back and do a lot of the uh, like the special features on the DVDs. Yeah, she did. And she, I was just watching uh, season two the other day, and they had the, the crew profile for Judzia, and it was uh, – um, she was, seemed to be talking in very glowing terms about the series, but uh, obviously not glowing enough to return for the seventh season. Same thing, ha- yeah. Same thing happened to another show on uh, Babylon Five. They had one of the actresses leave with one year ago, and there was the whole was she fired? And she claimed she was fired, and they claimed she quit. And it was this whole ridiculous thing. But Tashi R leaves in the middle of the first season. <laughs> yeah, five episodes in. What were you saying, John? Ace. It was just um, they didn't. Uh, well, they weren't. She finished the season, the previous season, and then they just didn't bring her back, and they brought in a new character to replace her. Yeah, and I seem to remember when they started these shows, they had everyone sign six-year contracts. Yeah. And at this point, the, the next gen went seven years, and I think every other series other than Enterprise in the original went seven years. So. Yep. Now, this Deep Space Nine, if you think about it, did not start until after Roddenberry's death. Yeah. Right. The reason of that is that he didn't like the project. It wasn't hopeful. It was because yeah, right. the it was crew darker. was in conflict with each other. Yeah. Yep. Well, I mean, that's the thing because the original show showed a future where humans had absolved themselves of all of these vices and all of these failings, and they showed corruption through the guise of aliens as a way of commenting on where humanity was at that point of during the production of the show, but it gets boring when you have all these characters who just love each other and it's like the Care Bear stare every week. And, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's So I actually think Deep Space is probably one of the... It shows that you have to, like, on in the frontier, on the fringes, you have to fight for it every day yeah. and it's not as yeah. easy. I think that's... I don't think that defies what Roddenberry wanted. I mean, it should be hard. It shouldn't be, you know, if we can only get to this point, you know, we'll cure ourselves. <laughs> uh-huh. I just love that scene right there where he became his own grandfather. Uh, yeah. And I uh, loved how, uh, how good uh, um, O'Brien and Bashir are together as a, as a, as a kind of a, a pair, uh, you know, buddy, buddy thing. It's- Did you have anything to do with the, um, the lighting of this particular scene? Cause like, I'm just, this amazes me how they do like a scene like this here where they have the, the two actors in the background. Okay. Well, what, 
it's it's uh it's using up what they call a garbage mat. We we uh I mean we filmed it leaving room in that area. But what they did is that they married the two prints together. But we we would look at the uh um at the scene that was uh, presently shot, originally shot, and then we would have to place the camera in the same place the camera was before, and then we would uh, light it in the same way. And they would have uh, a video tech there because we'd be shooting, besides shooting on... <laughs> I'm sorry, get the hell away from here. <laughs> oh, Dax is about to jump, Spock. <laughs> oh, good times. It's those eyes. In a way, so then we could play the original scene on top of our scene, this video, to know that we were matched up perfectly for what we needed to do. I think the most impressive scene that they do is the one um, well, with Bashir and O'Brien, like, in the line of men. Oh, yeah. From, the, from the fight. And at the very end, when Cisco meets Kirk, I believe that was a scene taken from Mirror Mirror on the original show, and they actually had to slow down Spock, because Spock was... I think he originally started speaking in the scene, so they had to, like, freeze-frame Spock to shut him up so they <laughs> finish the scene. Yeah. Yeah, I guess they um they looked for many different scenes that they could use with Kirk, and there was actually one, I think it was with Spock, where he wasn't feeling well, and they have Cisco on the turbo lift with Kirk, and he's like, it's an honor to meet you, sir, and William Shatner's response is, you need to go to sickbay and have your head examined. <laughs> so they, could, they, need, they went through every episode to try and find some scene that they could. I love that. We've been waiting here, hoping he'd show up at the bar. <laughs> I just love that they're surrounded by Klingons and have absolutely no idea. No idea. And I love it that that they think that this is Kirk coming in. Well, what's interesting is uh, Worf met Scotty technically years before on Next Generation. (laughs) You'd think he'd be like, oh, I know him. (laughs) I didn't like him. He growled at me. Well, he does look look different now, so... Well, yeah, I worked on that episode of Deep on... uh, Oh, you work on Relics? That's cool. Yeah, Can we yeah. have you back, like, once a week? I heard you're <laughs> retired. Do you have time? <laughs> now, uh, on Next Generation, the Enterprise, the, let me first, the Paramount lot is 50 acres uh, large, and they estimate that the Enterprise would cover up the entire lot and they give you the size of the Enterprise in space. Yeah. Really, it's one hallway with a little addendum. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, che- I was telling these guys in the previous podcast, I was checking out the, um... I love that. Those are Klingons? <laughs> yeah, you guys have had enough. And I don't care if I'm dating the director. I'm taking this thing away from No, I love this here. This is one of the best... <laughs> we don't talk about it. We don't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so pissed they answered this question on Enterprise. Leave well alone. Seriously. Oh, this is the best... As I recall, I don't think I like the music here. I think I like the music on the original better. <sighs> I think they do a new score for this, if I'm remembering this correctly. I love this. He's like the cop. He's like, oh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> 
<laughs> O'Brien is just a yutz in this episode. He breaks the Enterprise. He can't tell what the rank. Well, he's like the old man, you know. And Kira, and Kira is in with the orb, like, mmm, ooh, mmm. <laughs> <laughs> Klingonese. <laughs> if, if Scotty were married and this guy called his wife a name, I think he'd stay sitting completely in the chair. As soon as you mess with his ship, he's up and he's... <laughs> Well, you have your priorities, I guess, here. Yeah. He's breaking the treaty. He's got to be one of my... Jimmy Dewan's got to be one of my favorite mm-hmm. actors. I love that they got him on uh, Relics on The Next Generation. Oh, yeah. God, they got to see more. He was a nice guy. I enjoyed it. He would talk with you for hours if he could. Yeah, I like the score a little bit better from the original. I love this, too. Everyone, throw your chairs! Throw your chairs! <laughs> I love it. The cop. I'm sitting in the chair. <laughs> As I recall, it's, uh... <laughs> check off. Oh, oh, Brian, you can't fight well. <laughs> going. I love this right here. <laughs> it's the scene where, um... Walter Koenig, check off, is, like, punching the Klingon five times, and then absolutely Ow. no effect. Ow, my hand. Ow. And I love the bartender with the drinks. (laughs) These Klingons are now on... Yeah, he's just yelling. (laughs) Cyrano Joe. Such a great character. Oh, yeah. I love that guy in the background there. He's like, ooh, that looks like it hurts. (laughs) (laughs) Well, help you, moron. (laughs) Ooh. All the way through and never spills a drop. That must be incredibly hard to pick someone up by their neck and flip them over like that. <laughs> On who, the guy doing it or the guy getting it? Ah, uh, the guy doing it. That can't be too, uh, without b- cracking their neck in half. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> Whoops. Know what kills me about this next scene? You have O'Brien be taken to custody by a very large man. <laughs> and Kirk does not even know this. Obviously, I know you can't do it. Kirk does not even look in line and be like, who are you? You're not on my crew. <laughs> the hell are you doing here? Uh, Why have I never seen you before? Th- I think he'd recognize, you know, it was that few people nah, on the he- ship. I got transferred on last week. Oh, I was having sex with a woman then. I must have completely missed <laughs> your I guess that's true. Picard would have known him. Picard never hit me. I'm not Picard. <laughs> uh. Avery Brooks seems like a guy, you can tell me if I'm wrong, Don, that if he gets into character, you just don't even bother talking to him. Because he's like, he seems like incredibly focused. Yeah, no, he... There's times, I mean, he, he, uh, you know, in certain times he'll talk with you as much as you want, but uh, he does get into his character and he gets in. He's, I don't think he'd call himself a method actor, but I would say he is more in method. He gets very, very, very much into his, to his part. I think that's code word for he scares the crap out of you. I love this right here, the long shot of the entire line. That's a great, that's a great, uh... You're, this is the shot you were talking about there where they're all in line together? Yes. Oh, that's a great one. I don't know, sir. I don't know, sir. I want to know who half you people are. 
Do you work here? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of medical personnel in that lineup. Yeah, no, exactly. It's like all the doctors. Well, then it's like you. I, and I love the scene here where you have the people coming out, and they're not even anywhere close to the people who are just standing in the line. Whoops. <laughs> and the only thing he thinks of is, I wish my wife was here to see me lie to the legendary Captain Kirk. <laughs> Oh, good times. It's not alone. Triples are never alone. I love this right here. It's like, unhand me! Worf, please prevent yourself from beating the crap out of <laughs> Do not uh, barehandedly decapitate Mr. Waddle. Even though he's a Klingon, his forehead is smooth. We don't like to talk about it. Just a. Uh, try to I've got to, got to give it a shot. Trying to out geek Ryan here. I played the Star Trek card game, and they have a great they have a card called Hero of the Empire. That's a, it's a it's a computer generated image of him of his statue that he describes here with the Kirk's head in one hand and the Tribble in the other. It's a pretty, pretty <laughs> funny to actually see the thing. That's so you know the Star Trek fandom will never die. Oh yeah. Is there, isn't this one room they're in here? This is like the transporter room, the mess hall, the medical, it's like every room in the, I love that. There's a bomb in the triple! Do you know how many triples there are right now? My million seven hundred and seventy-one thousand five hundred. Oh my god, if I'm right with that number, please someone give me a prize. <laughs> He gives such great looks. He just, like, looks down, glares up at you, like, what? (laughs) He's allergic to triples. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Cisco is a very laid-back commanding officer. Whatever. (laughs) No problem. Hey, Peter. What's happening? Oh, am I right? You were close. Oh, my God. I think I... (laughs) I love this look right there. (laughs) (laughs) And, of course, it's the same monologue that Spock has later about the triples. (sighs) Good times. And we're on the bridge. I love the look that William Shatner supposedly gives uh, Dax right here. I'm calling him William Shatner. (laughs) Watch this look. This is just, I think, a great way of putting his facial expressions into... (laughs) 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 
One of the best lines, I think, is like, I don't care if it takes every man we have. I want them off the ship. Yeah. <laughs> now. You've got to help me. Okay, this is a little, uh, like, okay, like, you'd be working with Tribbles sitting on your desk. Like, you're going to move them out of the way. Yeah. And now I'm going to be stuck with visuals of Dax doing the deed with bones. <laughs> so he's also the following scene. Now, do you remember if, like, this scene that you're that we're looking at right here, this was the area that was rebuilt? No, this is this scene here, and this the whole panel in the front there. The panels are all original, and uh, the oh. walls, the gray walls, were uh, added, but the panels are original. That's 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 impressive that those survive for what thirty five years in storage, yeah. thirty years. Yeah, they were. Um, they're in a storage, I think, somewhere in North Hollywood that they parked away because they kept doing. You know, other movies and stuff, and they just never got rid of them. They started looking around and found them buried under a bunch of tarps. You mentioned you did the Relics episode of The Next Generation. There was a bridge scene on that as well. Did, were those, do you recall, were those original prop pieces that they used? Um, I'm not sure if you recall that. It's when Scotty goes on the holodeck and he's on the old Enterprise bridge. I would, I would have, if they, we used them for this, I would assume they would have used them for that too. But, uh, I would assume they would have been, but I couldn't really see them. <laughs> uh, so her problem though was that she couldn't, uh, she doesn't have a good memory, short term memory. So she would have trouble giving her lines all the time. Uh, well, and she gets all the, the highly technical, uh, you know, techno battle yeah, lines. Science too. officer. It's yeah. Like, <laughs> the electrostatic charge from the dilithium crystals. And now the 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 triples that are moving have little battery operated motors with an off centered hub on them. That would oh, be inside, and that's exciting. what was causing them to move around. I want one. <laughs> yeah, you can probably get one. <laughs> Okay, this is the stupidest idea Odo has. Throw it in the air so then Bashir will pick it up and he'll scan the same triple again. Can we throw them in a designated area, like a search zone? Yeah, it, they were fairly random. And I love Odo's response. Not like, let's get organized. I need more men! Now, the actor on Next Generation was Frakes. He could recite all this technical babble left and right with it, looking at the script once. And then he would just go through and spit it out like it was no tomorrow. Yeah, I remember a scene, it was in, I just watched the second season of Next Gen, and Patrick Stewart was telling a story in the second season of Next Generation, or it may have even been the first scene, Jonathan Frakes had one line he had to say, and it took him like three days to get it out, because every time he tried to say it, he started giggling, and then the whole set started laughing. <laughs> well, it, it seemed like when they're all together... It takes twice as long. When the whole next generation cast is like if they're all on the bridge, they will rehearse the scene the first time, and it will just be totally chaotic. You'll be laughing, you'll be rolling because they'll they'll basically be they'll basically will walk where they're going to be, but they're not saying anything, and they're making a mockery of it. And the next one is pretty much the same thing. And then finally, their third rehearsal, they actually say the lines the way they're supposed to be. Then they away and we light it and then they they light then they'll 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 hit their lines perfectly yeah. i'd be the guy that would take me a year and a half to get the damn line out because i'd be laughing too hard i like this too it actually looks like a storage compartment they actually get the set
I think this would be your 300 triples. Yeah. From all <laughs> in the room. Yeah. I always love the lighting because you can see it reflected off the top of Cisco's head. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't this be great if, like, Cisco fell on top of him? <laughs> 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 They're like, crap. <laughs> I love the look on his face. Well, he's a moron. This thing is full of grain, and you're opening the door that's above your head. What do you yeah. think it's going <laughs> to And you're lucky the triple with the bomb did not fall through. Yeah. We prove in this episode that the Enterprise is really crappy scanners because it doesn't detect the Defiant in the beginning and it doesn't detect the massive bomb going off outside. <laughs> I love him. He's like, why are they still falling? It's like some. I love the, the idea. It's like they're throwing them out the door throwing and they're them out landing the hole. on Kirk's head. <laughs> <laughs> why are they still. That guy has been in every TV show ever made. <laughs> I have the triple bomb. I guess it was too easy to just call the Defiant and tell them to be every triple out into space and just. No, I, you can't do that. That'd be. No, because then Scotty can't beam all the triples from the Enterprise onto the, the Klingon ship at the end of the episode. It would, it would be murder. Triple murder? For his murder. Enterprise doesn't pick that up at all. <laughs> yeah, they, they they make a big deal earlier in the episode about they've got a three second window every you know like I don't know three hours and then suddenly they they they, they just you know transport randomly and there's an explosion. Uh, who cares? Close the door. <laughs> <laughs> well, all the scanning crew in the Enterprise are like, did something just fall on the captain? What the hell was that? There, no one's paying attention. I love this line. Jim, this man is a Klingon. It's a Klingon. <laughs> I love that. And Spock is now standing right behind him like, yeah. Oh, hold on. Mm. <laughs> Here's mm. Carol looking at the orb. Ah. Oh, oh, yep, yep. You know what? I'm going to shut the door. I figured this whole damn thing out. Okay, what's for lunch? Uh, it's always interesting One on Star thing. Trek. <laughs> I love that. Pull in his ear. Oh. All right, let's sit back. Always fun in Star Trek what they decide to do when they've got one of the actresses being pregnant. I love that. We'll talk about it in a second. I love the line that she has with uh, Alexander Siddig. Now, this is the scene I was talking about earlier. This was originally at the end of the Mirror Mirror episode with the yeoman who walks up at the end, I believe, and uh, turns out to be Kirk's mirror mistress. Mm -hmm. They took her out and they put him in. If you watch the end of this right here, well, for one thing, Avery, Shatner is flirting with Avery Brooks, on, Brooks unfortunately. That's why Uhura is like, ooh, because she was there. Spock is, like, frozen right there, because Spock was supposed to start talking. <laughs> I love how one of them softens. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think the scene was... Uh, n- now, is it Nana... It's Nana Visitor is how you pronounce her name, right? Yes. Nana, Nana Visitor um, was married... She was, she was never married to, but was she ever married to Alexander Sajig? I can't recall. She had a child with Alexander. I, I believe. had a child, but I, I do not think they were... I don't, I don't think so either. And there was the scene where uh, her character became pregnant because Bashir transported the ba- Keiko's baby into... Into, into Kira's body to save the baby. And there's the scene where Kira's tired of being pregnant and then she looks at Alexa- Alexander Sadiq and says, You did this to me! This is your fault! <laughs> this is the best line all <laughs> Alright, this is great here. Did you tell them? They didn't ask. <laughs> like, like, Odo looks like the kid who literally brought home 17 puppies he found yeah. to the park. He's like, is dad going to let me keep them? <laughs> Whatever happened to those triples? They never resolved that. They built another station. <laughs> They're all next. <laughs> they transported them all. Then Pagnora, damn it! <laughs> but the name of uh, of uh, this character here is also the Buttheads. <laughs> oh, the Ferengi. Okay, the, I can see the that. The Ferengis. Okay. Yeah, they were also known as the Buttheads on the set. And the Cardassians. The Spoonheads. And that is trial and tribulations. That as it's just the coolest episode. I mean, it makes absolutely no logical sense, but. Oh, I love that. I never saw that. Star Wars Actors originally. Character. Yeah, that's cool. Well, he got oh, paid for it again. Did they really? Oh, yeah. 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 That's true. Screen, that gets it. That's a whole new episode for him now. So he got whatever they negotiated, plus residuals on all these episodes. I remember that they did a thing on uh, ER once where they brought George Clooney back for like 30 seconds at the end of one episode and he got paid like $576 or something. Or something. But you still get paid for it. That was, that was just really... I just love that. I just, it's a great I'm a lighthearted deep, episode. I'm a Deep Space Nine geek and I just it's probably my favorite of the, uh, of the series, but it's so dark all the time so it's great that they have an episode where to be a little bit wider. Don, thanks so much for doing this. This is so much fun just to hear what's going on really behind the scenes and stuff. No problem. You were talking about Deep... Not Deep Space, I'm sorry. You were talking about Next Generation earlier. We wanted to bring something that on an episode, I think it was two episodes before we started uh, the show, they had a scene in there where they were panning across the bridge and on the bridge, on the one of the consoles, steering consoles, was a, a trophy type thing. And as they were panning across it, everything looked normal. When they aired that episode, the emails and all the chat lines was a buzz that they could see the crew inside this dish. I think I know it was. It wasn't the one with uh, Leonard Nimoy, was it? No, I don't think so. When all of this stuff came off and all producers heard about it, they went and got it, and they enlarged that frame. And so, yes, they could. The camera, in the, they saw the reflection of the entire crew, the mixer, the boom man on the microphone, oh, the no. camera, and everything. But when they shot that and when they looked at it in the editing room, they never saw the crew in it. And it wasn't until all the uh, fans that saw it that they did finally come back and see it. Two scenes I remember. I got this from the nitpickers guy, but I know it's real. In uh, uni- in the ep- Unification Part Two, the episode where Spock returns, and there, it's uh, Denise Crosby, Sila, the uh, the Romulan Tashiar, is in a room with Picard and Data and Spock, and they and Data neck pinches uh, Sila, and she and Denise Crosby drops to the ground, and Spock looks at Data and says, "Not bad." And Data kind of smirks, and they walk out of the room. As they walk out of the room, you can see the reflection in, you know, a piece of 
I don't know, there's something on the, like a mirror or something on the, on the desk. You can see the reflection of a member of the crew just chomping on gum <laughs> as they walk. It's this huge ass reflection. I remember seeing that. And there was also one, it, I can't remember the, the, I think it was, um, I think it was called Birthright. It was the two part, it was a two parter of Next Generation. It was actually the one where they visit Deep Space Nine. And Data is having dreams of, um, he's trying, he, he's dreaming for the first time. He's, and Bashir helps him out. He's having dreams of Dr. Soon or whatever. And there, I remember the line, Data, you were the bird. And you see Data flying around the set of, uh, the Enterprise and he pops out through the, the hull and he's flying around the ship. There's a scene as he's flying through where you can see a member of the crew just sitting in the hallway. <laughs> but, and Data flies right past him. I thought it cracked me up. Like, how many crew people were there on the set? Actually, on the production, you probably have um, about 70 to 90, depending on what what day it is and what we're doing. So you have dozens of people on the set on a show that has so many complicated scenes with fans who are perfectionists. You're going to... You know, and and a lot of these things that, that, you know, is that, you know, the, the camera operator is just looking through a tiny little eyepiece... And it's looking at hundreds of things, and he's the one that's supposed to be on the first end to look for all of this stuff. And they do pick up a lot of stuff. But at times, it'll slip by him, it'll slip by the editor, who is looking at it at a much slower rate. And so then by the time it's cut in, and even if they do see it, it would be way too expensive, or they don't have the time to go back and uh, edit, uh, to, um, to refilm it. Pray to God nobody sees it. Yeah. They did a, They did a gag on um, the original series. They went back and they remastered the special effects for the original series. And they did the one, I don't know if you remember, with the Doomsday Machine, the giant space mm-hmm. creature that wrecked the other ship, the Constellation. And they redid all the special effects of the Constellation. And as a gag for the, um, for the, for the graphics people who, who did the, the redesigns, they took one of the shots of the... Con- now, this is after the episode's completed and is gone and is airing. They took the shot of the Constellation and someone reworked it so the Constellation was spelled wrong. Nice. Like they, they put, like, a reg- like an extra syllable in there, and they sent it to the two engineers saying, this just aired! What did you do? And they looked at it like, oh my god, we spelled Constellation wrong! And it was a gag on them, but it's, it's gonna be so scary when you're doing that. You must be looking for every possible thing to make sure it's perfect because the, th- the fans yeah. will catch it they will they will well most of the time it's the writing most of the time like i i have to say like watching the show it's very 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 rare that you know something that the crew messed up on usually it's like a plot point or you know they beam through the shields and forgot you can't do that or it's, it's a lot of that nitpickers guide has editing mistakes where they use different takes and so the stuff's in one hand and then the other hand or something like stupid like that. My favorite has to be the original movie, the motion picture. John, did you work on the original movie? Uh, no. Okay, good. So you're absolved of this. The movie was <laughs> it, it was so boring. It was like literally. It, it was literally like driving to your grandmother's house. Are we there? Yeah. It's just like flying through the damn cloud for like an hour and a half, and then they when they put it on uh, VHS, they said, let's put more, let's let's pad that a little bit. We think it's too <laughs> short. So they put more scenes in, and they put a scene in of William Shatner as Kirk leaving the Enterprise th- through the airlock, 
but that wasn't the full... It was, okay, they built a little bit of the outside of the ship, but then you could see the scaffolding, and you could see, the, you know, like, the like the, the set pieces behind holding the scaffolding in place, and you could see the lathers where the crew was walking, and the lights, and, and the boom, and everything. And they put the shot in on the, on the VHS tape. So you see William Shatner, Captain Kirk, floating out of the Enterprise, and then you see the entire back of the set for, like, five full seconds. I'm like, did no one... Did people fall asleep watching this? And they think it, it cracked me up that they even put that on there. But yeah, every once in a while you'll get a little thing, but I think the crew did an amazing job on these shows. I mean, like I said, I thought they were made of metal and the whole set's made of plywood, so what the hell do I know? Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, in the engine room on uh, the Enterprise, Next Gen Enterprise, you have the big diagram of all the systems. The one on the tabletop that they have there? There was looking around? No, no, or is that, I think it's something else. Uh, the, uh, the back wall. Oh, on the wall, yeah, sorry. No. Well, that's the, the outline of the whole ship on there. And so in there, the, the people that designed this, that actually built it and drew it out and everything, they were outside contractors. And so they thought they'd have fun with it. So in, on different decks, they put in one area, they put a Porsche, another area, they put a horse, and another area, they put, uh, like, uh, a man and a woman, you know, in their stick figure man and woman type thing, and a, and a child, and so they put, you know, in about five different places, very, very tiny. They did it as a joke. Nobody saw it. They got put up into the set when the series was originally built, and then they're starting to film, and they see this, and they're going... Oh my God! And he got this. So they're seeing these things, and so uh, on a long shot, you would never know what it was. But anytime they came in close to it, they would have to take some black photo black tape put over these characters in there. Now on Next Generation, the engineering set—I was saying this earlier—the engineering set was part of like the main corridor. So anytime they wanted to have a corridor shot, when they have to take the pool table out and they'd have to put the door down and they'd have to, you know, pull the wall plugs out and make it look like an actual corridor. Well, it was at the end of one of the corridors, and so they would just put a new uh, a wall in front of it so uh, you couldn't see it. Yeah, I'm in that mode now where I love to see how... This is why I'm glad you're here. I love to see how things work. And, like, I never even realized it watching the show, but the holodeck is the cargo bay, is the shuttle bay, is yeah. very large. I never... Well, it was... Well, it was... They would... The, the holodeck was... Uh, it was all part of the, of the shuttle bay, and so they just brought in new walls... And and mated them to the to the doorway that takes you into the um, to the shuttle deck. It was used for many many things. Here's my question: Were you ever show, Were you ever on the show? Were you ever an extra? No. Oh. But his daughter well, was. My daughter was in one of the episodes. I don't remember which one it was. Sue and I were talking about it the other day. Do we figure out which one it was, Sue? Because it was like uh, the one before you had gone to visit or something like that. Yeah, I have got the video. Let me see if it's written on there. Yeah, I think it's – you were saying that to me too. I think it was uh, Thine Known Self. Well, the one thing – I just want to talk to you about the le- the lighting. Do you, uh, do you remember the episode, The Inner Light, the one where Picard uh. – he li- he's on the planet. And he lives an entire lifetime on this planet because of the alien probe and he comes back and they, the probe sends him back his flute. Yes. That I never real like I never even – well, I wasn't looking for it at the time. But that entire village was on a soundstage, correct? Yes. Did you did you work on that particular episode? Yes, that was just like the light. It looked like you're outdoor on a sunny outdoors on a sunny day. That was just incredible work. I mean, that just blew, that I I'm totally geeking on you on that one. That just <laughs> there was very few villages that they did inside. I mean, outside. 
Uh, they, for the most part, they like to be able to control it more, and so we'd build a village on the on a stage. And I mean, uh, I mean, there's we've done big things where uh, one of the shuttlecraft ones, I forgot which one I want is uh, they they crashed into a forester. So we had an entire stage just filled up with with uh, trees. Some of them were in huge pots. Some of them were just like. Uh, 20-foot Christmas tree type things where they were on boards and stuff. But uh, for this type of show, it works best to uh, be able to do it indoors. That way you can control everything. And for the most part, you can mimic the outdoor and, and make it look like it is uh, with uh, with lighting. Yeah, just give it a green, green sky, right? That works. Well, it came so much because we were joking. The original, like the first season of the show where they were on the planet hell set and you had like, you know, the very fake backgrounds, <laughs> you know, it's blue sky this week and it's green the last week. And it's obviously a set. And then by the end of the show, you have like the villages where it looks like natural sunlight coming in. And it just, it, it, it moved. It, it was, it was almost like the first season looked like the original Trek from the sixties. And then all of a sudden you just have these sets that look so realistic. I never would have guessed they were actually indoors filming. it. It just, it's so incredible. Well, I think mm-hmm. when they first started, they kept, the, the budget was fairly uh, tight, right. and so they wouldn't spend much time. But then as the show became popular, they were able to spend more. And, and being a syndicated show, they had more control in that and could spend more money. Um, I had a question. At the end of the uh, season of DS9, seven season of Next Gen, Next Gen was done. Uh, what happened to all those sound stages? Were those just co- all co-opted by Voyager? Did the uh, DS9 take over some of that, too? I think Voyager got built right over. DS9 was already up and running, and they had their own three stages. So Voyager took over the three stages that uh, Next Generation had. Okay. And and I actually think that I think I I looked. There's a website out there that showed me all this stuff. You're obviously you've got the insider knowledge. They built the sets for Voyager directly over the Next Gen sets, so like the court, like the transporter room on on next gen is actually the is the same transporter room from Voyager in the same hallway and the turbo lifts in the same pl- and they just built the same infrastructure, right? They kept mostly everything and just some of the sets and just revamped them. The bridge for Voyager was basically in the same spot as the bridge for uh next generation was. And I think let's see the you know, the mess hall or whatever you want to call it, uh, for both of them were in about the same places. Most of Voyager's stuff was a little bit smaller than deep, than Next Generation was, so they were able to cram more stuff onto the stages. Yeah, and like I was saying earlier, like the like the ten forward windows were used in Janeway's ready room in the conference yeah. room, and and they and like the, the the like you said, Janeway's quarters were Picard's quarters, and they just you know redressed it and put new doors on there and. It was very much the same. Yeah. And, and pretty much on, uh, on both shows, um, or even on all three, four shows, the quarters for all of them, they were basically one long room that they would add uh, movable walls to make them larger or smaller. Traditionally, there was three quarters. They would all be changed for whoever they were having there, and they could move the walls backwards and forwards to... Uh, if it was somebody important visiting or if it was the captain's quarters, they would... Uh, they would make it a bit, make it bigger or longer, and and put different decoration in. Well, I'm just blown away that they kept the sets in place during the entire, like all of the '80s for the movies that they stayed in place. Well, the sets didn't stay in place on the stage. They they kept them and they stored them. They were they're not going to keep uh, keep them on the stages. And they just threw them back up whenever they did the yeah. next movie. Yeah, to rent a stage. 
I mean, they're they're given a base price for all of them. But uh, if you were to look at one stage a day, you're probably looking at at uh, two or three thousand dollars for a twelve hour day for a stage. Oh wow! That's that's how the studios pay their overhead. Well, this has just been a lot of fun. I hope now that oh, you yeah. said you retired several months ago, you wouldn't mind coming back and geeking with us in the future. I think we have several thousand more questions we can probably <laughs> Yeah. Just I a don't few. mind coming back from time to time. Oh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. We'll definitely have to do this again. Sue, thanks for uh, setting all this up tonight. This has uh, been great. This has been no problem. Fun. Sue's a Hufflepuff to the core. Yeah. Sue's, <laughs> Sue's Captain Helper over here. And that's been Trial and Tribulations. We just definitely want to thank uh, John very much for coming and sharing his wisdom behind the scenes. That was a lot of fun. I, I learned a lot. For a geek like me to learn, that's pretty good. Yes. We, we th- Thank you very much for coming, Don. It was a, quite, a, quite a learning experience. Well, glad to. I had a fun time seeing the show again and talking with all you guys. Oh, great. We hope to have you back very soon. And, uh, Sue, thank you again. And I'll get your uh, scripts back to you as soon as I'm done geeking over those. And uh, No problem. Uh, you got it. All right. So with that, have a great night, everybody. Bye-bye. Good night. Bye. Bye. Bye.